Hello. Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Sarah Black. And I'm Jeffrey Lilly. And today we're talking about murder. I'm so excited. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Because what better time to talk about murder than October? We're sp- I mean, it fits with the vibe, the spooky season. Exactly. I have to say, I think this might be my favorite October yet. We're about halfway through, and it's just good energy all around. I was talking to uh, Sean, another tour guide, yesterday. Mm -hmm. They They all meshed together. Right, but it was in the past day or two. And I was like pretty much halfway there. No, no, sorry, sorry. It it was on the 14th, and I was like, we're almost halfway there. Or sorry, I said, tomorrow we're halfway there. And he goes, no, no, Monday. And I'm like, Monday? He's like, yeah, yeah, because Monday's the 16th. So then 16, 16 is 32. So when you hit that day. It's over. It's over. Okay. And I was like. Thanks, Sean. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, no, no, no. I, I appreciate the logic. No, no, no. It's just sad that it's just an extra. Right. We're, was, we're not. I was like Sunday, 15, 30, And I was like. Nope. Ah, because you got I guess an like, extra do you one. count Halloween or don't you count Halloween? Are you like, working on Halloween? Yeah, yeah. Got a four day tours. You have, you're doing four? No, two. Okay. That's what. I, okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, I stop work at like 2 p.m. Yeah, I think 3, hold on, 3, th- 4.30, 3.30, I don't, <laughs> whatever the schedule says that I wrote. <laughs> yeah, so, ta-da, it's okay, it's okay. We're well, going to talk about murder. We're going to we're gonna kill it. Um, <laughs> Ooh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was great. Um, do you have, do you have any tour I thought we'd keep this one short. Oh, Things have okay. just been okay. been good. I've been meeting so many listeners and fans, and I think that's contributing to why this October yeah. has been so great. Like, you guys are, you keep us going, and it, it I, uh, feels so good. So thank of, you. A ton of fans, ton of listeners. More times than I was, I mean, it's October, so I guess a lot of people are coming. but And a lot of people uh, are using the podcast to prepare for yes, their trip. Yeah. So. Although I did get, I want to show you, I got something from a listener the other day. Oh my God, this. <laughs> Come on, you can't just laugh, you have to say something. I am very rarely speechless. I don't even, I can't. I have no words. I thought I was just going to wear it and then like turn up in it, but then I forgot. Oh. So. Wow. <laughs> we are looking at a wonderful um, T-shirt with two turtles hanging from where Jeffrey's nipples would be. This is brilliant. Whoever uh, created this, thank you very much. <laughs> now we need one with the tersels. Yeah. yeah they, we need they, one with the hawks, said, the uh, male hawks. They said, uh, they were like, oh no, like I made it before that and da, da, da. Oh, oh, they already, they already yeah, knew. Yeah, so they, they were already knew. They already knew about the tersels. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah you got to have two versions or one on, good, uh, one on each. One on each, a tersel and a turtle. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought that like, that'd be great toward the beach or something. <laughs> People be so confused. <laughs> be like turtles, turtles are on beaches. Why are turtles on the nipples? Yeah. And why are they hanging? Like, <laughs> well, at first you, yeah, yeah. It's just, Yeah. I love I love the inside jokes that mm-hmm. we have developed over the course of this podcast. Someone did ask, they're like, when are you and Jeffrey going to do like an in tandem tour, like a podcast tour with places that directly link to the podcast with inside jokes that come right from the podcast, things that people have been like following along with for the last year and a half. I was like, damn, that is a, such a good idea. And we've talked about it before and I think it will happen one day. Oh, I was going to say never, but okay. What? Are you serious? <laughs> So it'd be like a live show, but oh, on foot, a live show it's a live, it's a foot. It, yes. Oh. Now you see it. Come on. Could we have 80 people? You, technically, <laughs> technically we could. Okay. Maybe, maybe next. I don't know. I'm just in the future. In the May? future. Don't, dude, you don't make that commitment. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. It's springtime would be a good idea. Right. Summer too. Yeah. Early, early summer. Yeah. May. Sure. Yeah. Late May. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. Okay. Live shows, but on foot. Ballpark in it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. We, we'd have to go. We could have like. Note to our future selves. Right. 
Note, note to our November selves. Mm-hmm. Love that. So speaking of Patreons. Yes. We've got a couple quick shout outs to make. Dun, 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 dun. I love the originality of this one. Thank you to the guy on the red bike. Oh, all capitalized. Not all capitalized, but each. Title capitalization. Okay. Thank you. Title <laughs> capitalization. Thank you, guy. The guy. Coming up next, we got Maria Krause. Thank you, Maria. Appreciate that. Oh, this one's quite fitting for me. Thank you, Sarah Garibaldi. And that would be Sarah with an H. That's why you like it. Yes. No shade to the other Sarahs out there. No shade. That's a lie. You throw shade like all the time. All the the time. (laughs) (laughs) And last for this week, we have Stacy Phillips. Thank you, Stacy. Appreciate all of you guys. Um, Also, just real quick, um, looks like patron... Patron, Patreon, Patreon, rolled out a new feature called free. That is just replacing the follow button. So you'll get like notifications. I think when posts are made, posts that you're eligible for. Right. But we don't, as far as I know, we don't have anything that's open to the general public. Like our initial video and maybe one or two other small things are, but yeah, the, the weekly episode releases with the extras and all that stuff and no ads. Yeah. Um, that is not part of the free. So we see a couple of people clicked on free and I we didn't know what was going on literally till just now we checked it. And we're like, what what is free? What it up? It's like, oh my gosh, why does this happen in October? And we had to like Google what's going on and Patreon Patreon's just changing the way they do it. Um So just I, a heads up. Yeah. I think it is a little confusing because they're replacing follow. So there's nothing that's free. I mean right, right. I, I guess it is, but you're not getting anything other than following so there you guys go uh, appreciate all of you thanks for listening thank you thank you and uh i don't know shall we get down to it let's get down to business oh i'm so excited gotta, for murder gotta defeat the huns so obviously it's spooky season we want to do something a little on the dark side and i'm sure a lot of our listeners listen to multiple podcasts and there's a lot of true crime podcasts out there where the hosts tell each other a case or a story of some sort and that's what we're going to do today and we chose two cases well i guess yours is yeah yeah i guess yours is a case um with a bunch of other cases along with it Mm -hmm. both tied to salem in some way shape or form so do you want to go first? Oh, do, oh I, I thought you were going to go first. I thought you were like... I f- no, I figured that you you have one that's more well-known, I okay, think. Okay, okay. So I think it might be more relevant in people's minds. And uh, I know I know quite a few tours in town men- mention this person. I, I used to. Um, anyway, uh, before I get into it, so I have one and Sarah has one. Uh, so obviously I'll be telling her, she'll be telling me. Uh, she knows a little bit about the one I'm talking about. I know pretty much nothing about. I don't know. She's. Been I, like, I know very little about yours. Okay. Okay. Morbid. I'm a big fan of Morbid. Yeah, yeah. They do a huge multi-parter. I've listened to that thing like at least twice through. You I've retained that. like maybe eight <laughs> percent of it. It's okay. just so complicated. Okay. So it's gonna feel very fresh. Yeah. I. Sorry, getting ahead of myself. We don't think this is gonna be two parts, but just a heads up. It might be. It might be. Uh, I think that's all going to depend on how long Sarah talks. Shut um, up. <laughs> keeping her wrangled in when I'm part of the conversation is difficult. Uh, she's, she's she's sitting over here. Like, I'm so excited right now. She's called out like it's <laughs> man. We got to get these stuff on film anyway. Uh, so just a heads up, this might get broken up into two parts. If at the end of it we look and we're like, okay, I went for half hour 45 and Sarah's going to go for 45 to an hour, then that might just be a part one and part two. Just a heads um, up. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But who knows? You might not even hear this. Sarah might have just cut that the past 30 <laughs> seconds of that out. I, I don't know. Who knows? Nobody knows. All right. So. All right, Jeffy, hit me. I'm so excited right now. Okay, so I am going to do the Boston Strangler. Ah! Um, God, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. Also, it's uh pretty graphic. We should probably put a, a content warning out on this. I'm, yeah. I am going to shy away from uh any real specific details. Um, but I know I know a lot of kids listen or, or parents have it on when when their kids are listening. Um. 
This this honestly overall might not be the episode for kids. Yeah. And and even like for our platform, I'm I'm gonna keep it as censored as I can. Uh there's a lot of very graphic descriptions in, in some other podcasts. Uh if you want to listen to those that do focus more on true crime and do talk about more of those things. So that's more expected. Um I don't really wanna be throwing that out there, especially if someone's like, Ooh, history of Salem. Yeah. And then you like these and it's like this really intense, yeah, attacks. Um, so I'll keep away from the details. I'll try to be as obscure as I can when describing some of these things, and a lot of it I won't even describe. So there we go. But the Boston Strangler, I I honestly like don't even know where to begin. How about a year? Nineteen sixty-two. Sixties. Okay. Yep. Um, and of course it is in Boston. So primarily in Boston, we have a few attacks, uh, in some of the surrounding areas. There is one in Salem. I'll, I'll talk about that, uh, Lynn and some of the suburbs are, are around Boston. Um, but it's weird because I think a lot of us, uh, our generation, our age think of things. And I guess probably most people do this within the scope of their own understanding. Right. Mm-hmm. So you think of Boston today. Boston's always been Boston. Oh, and Boston, but in reality, it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot, yeah. And and you're like, oh, this is a murder case. This is a um, serial killer. Although, arguably, they didn't even have the word serial killer when he was killing. Oh. So he wasn't a serial killer, but he is, you mm-hmm. know, in, in, in terms of backdating that terminology. Yeah. But you're like, oh, well, we have uh, forensic analysis and DNA. And they're like, but they had none of that. The world was different. Time was different. The city was different. And that's one of the things that, you know, I keep reading about this and learning about this. And you're just like, you have to remember that the 60s were long enough ago that the world was very different. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess to put it into a little bit of context, JFK is president. Oh, damn. He's still alive during this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He he dies during this. Oh, shoot. Which is like a whole nother overlay on top of, because he's from Boston. He's- Oh, my gosh. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So it probably overshadowed anything that was going on. Yeah, but then it does. We'll get there. But then it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Boston is like this kind of grimy city city, you know, sort of noir. There's a lot of crime. Um, but a lot of the crime in Boston is criminal element crime. Like organized? Like, yeah, but it's like it's criminal on criminal crime. Okay. Which it, I think that's probably the right way to say that. Yeah. It's not, you know. Like attacking civilians. Right. It's not attacking civilians. It's, you know, gang shootouts or. You or know, like mob stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which I didn't even think. Oh, man. Yeah. You got the whole. Isn't that when all Whitey the mob. Bulger. When did. Yeah. He was probably around, right? I would think Maybe. that I think like the sixties, the early sixties was a pretty high time for yeah. these um the the factions. So that's yeah, crime's big. There's murders, there's these things, but the public is not safe, but mostly safe from these sorts of things. Um and and that is one of the reasons that a lot of this becomes so jarring is because it becomes heavily involved in the public eye. So the Boston Strangler uh, first incident we have is June 14th, 1962. And over the course of um, effectively two years, uh, 13 single women between the ages of 19 and 85 are murdered in the Boston area. Holy shit. That's, That's a very small amount of time. Smaller than I expected, and a much wider range of victim ages than I expected. So that's one of the complicated things. So without, we'll unpack this as we go, but all but one of these cases are still open. Whoa. They are. They all still remain unsolved, unsolved. which complicates matters for like, re, like, so you can't go and like look at the case files. Because they're all still technically cold cases. Right. Um, so pretty much everything we had, like there was a lot of news. There was a lot of reporting. There's books. There's movies. It was not necessarily sensationalized, but it was 
in the public eye prominently. A lot of reporters uh, talking to people, forensic analysis. They they even bring in a psychic at one point. What? Um, so it's like it's huge. But what we don't have are the actual police files. Okay. So you have to like go back and reference news articles and journals and posts and all these other things. So that's where pretty much all the information about it comes from. And there were a lot of great investigative journalists back then uh, that are really doing a good job of uh, bringing this in the public eye. But then again, you have the newspapers that are then publishing all these sensationalized news yeah. stories, which is not helping them solve the case. So most of these women were sexually assaulted uh, in a variety of different ways, um, which is uh, reading and looking at that is just a lot. Um, and that's what I said. One of the things I'm not going to get into is... I'm sorry um, I stuck you. I, su- I think I suggested <laughs> this case to you. Sorry. No, no. So a lot of the descriptions uh, describe uh, the position in which they were found, what they were wearing when they were found and how they were displayed and what had happened to them when they were found. And it's all pretty graphic and pretty gruesome. Were these things published in the newspapers? Yeah. What? Some of them, not all of them. Sometimes they'd keep, so, you know, they'd still do it today. You keep elements of these things out of the public eye. Uh But there were some like journalists who, you know, they'd, go through they'd talk to you know like some beat cop on the case then some other person and the forensic people and then the people at the mortuary and like what they're wearing and you know it's like some people saw pictures and like they're really really going at this just trying to get as much information yeah. as possible which is good but then the police are actually then fighting the public on that situation so the first case is june 14th as i said uh, Anna Slessers. Um, she was actually from Latvia in her mid fifties. She's a seamstress. She was found by her son. Uh, they were planning on going out that night and he comes over and she's not answering the door. He has to break down the door and he finds her inside. That's awful. Yeah. The next one, Nina Nichols, she's a retired nurse. Uh, she was on the phone with her sister. Someone knocks on the door and she's like, oh, let me call you back. Nothing. Nothing. Um, God, that's so scary. They were all also strangled. So that is obviously where this comes from. Uh, typically with nylon stockings uh, seems to be the go-to, but one with a pillowcase, some other ways as well. Um, but that is where the name, the Boston Strangler, because that right. seems to be. Also, all of their homes were tossed like rummaged through like rummaged through their drawers, their jewelry, but nothing ever seemed to go missing. Uh, so when they first with the first case of Anna Slessers, it seems as though it's a burglary gone wrong. Like, yes, the body is in a certain way, but typically within the scope of these things, it's one or the other, right? And if it's the first time, like there's, they're not going to be expecting yeah, you're like, this to be like a serial killer situation. So they come in like, oh, wow, clearly someone was looking for something and maybe they were set upon yeah. and they got angry and then the situation evolves from there. Uh, but we don't know again. So these are still open cases. It seems as though probably the burglary aspect was staged. As, like an after the fact situation. Yeah, yeah. As as in sort of nothing's gone missing. We don't have a list of, of, of burglaries from these situations. We have just the women and then a a mess. A ransacked apartment. So that seems to be what's going on. Uh, which then also confuses police, and that's why it takes them a little while to piece everything together. Um and like try to hone in on a motive. Yeah. Which we honestly still don't really know oh that's one of the scariest ones like when you don't have a concrete answer as to why they killed these people oh yeah so one of the main issues we have with the boston strangler that makes it a little weird is that there are no break-ins all of these women let him into their home oh that's even creepier 
So again, it is the 60s, and you know, today we live in a very different world with ring cams and cell phones, and so murders. And people and- just don't answer the door. <laughs> <laughs> people just don't knock on the door. You're like, who's that? Well, okay, no, dude, not- back in the 60s, they didn't even lock the door. Right. <laughs> so it's a very different time. Uh, I think I was looking somewhere and, and I forgot to write it down, and, and I lost it. Um, I think in the 80s, there was something like 250 active serial killers in the United States. God. Now there's like four. Oh, my God. Well, it's a lot lot harder to get away with nowadays. And so you need a repeat pattern. So so people are caught before they hit that point now. People have cell phones. They're on the phone when they're walking home. They're texting when they're walking home. They're not hitting an Uber. And, yes, we still do get you know, issues and tax, but it is a radically safer world uh, than it was 20, much less 60 years ago. That does feel good. Yeah. To know. Uh, obviously, no one's hitchhiking really anymore. Yeah. No one's just, you know, people are monitored. Hey, where are you? You know, you don't just drop your kids off in the middle of, you know, see you in a few hours. Yeah, before the sun comes down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think we, we do have a larger amount of fear these days, but all the numbers, it is a much safer place out there. Uh, these things are not happening at, at nearly the frequency that they used to. Uh, so that's really good. So getting back to it. So these women all let him into their homes, which is both usual and unusual. It's usual because again, it's the sixties. Uh, you have someone knocking your door. Hey, can I use your phone? Yeah. Right, that was that was pretty stink because you don't have cell phones. Hey, my car broke down. Can I can I use your phone? Oh, sure. Hey, the the landlord sent me to to fix the pipes, and you're like, oh, I didn't get the message because you don't have like answering machines, voicemails, text messages. It's so easy. So it was like, yep, yep. They said be you'd be home this evening, so uh, they sent me up to fix the leaky pipe. And a lot of this happens in the back bay area, which of course is land filled in. So there was all those issues. So it's, Does it seem to be a lot of apartment buildings? Yes, yes. So I'll get to a little bit about that. But what we have is why. And so the theory is maybe he's a priest. Maybe. Oh, that's he, that's disturbing. But it's got to be someone you trust. Trust enough to let into your home. And so the, the, the theories as these start coming up is, is who and what would possibly all these women. Now, a lot of them are nurses. Or work in the medical field. So there's theories of, is he also a nurse? Does he also work in the medical field? Does he present as like a doctor? Right. So like any of these kinds of theories. And the people are throwing theories out like left and right. And literally nothing sticking. They have no idea who this guy is. Which is like wild. Scary. Yeah. And once, so we, after the first three, we sort of figure out that we have a serial killer on our hands and this is when it starts to take off publicly and literally the police the governor the mayor in boston is like don't open your doors to strangers tell people where you're going like leave a note uh people are like being advised to carry around like heavy objects to defend themselves thank god um at one point uh i read somewhere that like there were no dogs available for adoption in Boston. Because they were all getting like guard dogs? Yeah. Um, people were putting traps in their homes. Like booby traps? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Someone, uh, uh, <laughs> they were taking broken up uh, uh, bottles and putting don't tell, them. Don't tell me they put them on the other side of the window like he does in Home Alone. No, like on, on the, in- so if someone yeah. tries. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. what they do in Home Alone <laughs> with the ornaments. Yeah. Wow. That's intense. Self-defense classes, jujitsu. And yet, that's after the first... So it, it escalates, right? After the first three in terms of like the fear. And yet, people are still opening their doors to this stranger. Like it's still happening. He's it's, got to be like in some type of uniform. Like, like you said, utility uniform. That so makes so much sense. Utility uniform is probably where we're going with this. But I... I don't know. What a scary time. It's this, it's not, it's not, I, I can't imagine like you today. I'd be like, Hey, someone in my door, I'm here to fix your pipes. I'd be call my landlord a big, Hey, did you, someone send someone over? 
you know? Or also, I don't know the guy who's like the maintenance guy around here, mm-hmm. but like I'd recognize him, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if you have. Yeah, a, yeah. I know my my people. Yeah. If if someone just turned up and was like, oh, yeah, I'd be like. I'd be like, no. Like, who I'm, are I'm, you? Nope. And I'm also not. like, you don't have a key? Like, get, again, it's different. So it's hard to wrap my brain around like making sense of some of this because it's like, it just doesn't seem right. And I'm sure for every woman who was killed there were probably maybe one or two or three or four that did not let him in (laughs) you're you're not wrong and one of the other really strange things is even though there is extensive media coverage and the newspapers and the police are searching he continues to attack through like all of that which is also unusual There's a lot of things in here that are very unusual. So we get June 14th, June 28th, June 30th, June 30th, August 19th, August 21st. Oh, my God. So that's summer, 1962. I can't. I'm just like trying to imagine waking up. Newspapers play a big role in, and just like the news in general play a big role in my case too, because mine takes place in the 30s. And people, we, we, I think we forget how glued people were to their newspapers every single day. And every time one of these women would have been found dead, of course, it's going to make headlines. I cannot imagine the fear. And we talk about fear all the time on this podcast with the witch trials, mm-hmm. waking up and seeing that headline that someone has been killed again. That is rapid succession. I did not realize how close together those murders were. So there is sort of some different titles. Phantom Fiend, Phantom Strangler, Mad Strangler of Boston. Whoa. (laughs) Are all sort of different titles that he gets uh, before the, the Strangler one, which I'll talk about. But those happen in quick succession. And then there's nothing till December 5th, December 31st. So August, September, October, November, he basically takes like three, four months off, which I guess is not unusual. Maybe he got, maybe he got close to getting caught or something. Or and life, right? Life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to laugh. Life happens no, yeah, to all usually, of us. Because usually, usually these serial killers have a normal life that they're yeah, living. Yeah. Maybe they, if he's working a shift job, extra hours, or, you know, maybe maybe something happened to his car, maybe... Family stuff. Yeah. Maybe he's got a freaking family. He did. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly. So uh, then we have December 5th and uh, December 31st. Um, and then another few months, two more on March 6th, and then nothing Till September 8th, 1963. So another good break. May, June, July, August, September. Another. So, which is weird because the summer before. He went crazy. He went crazy. And this summer, he took the summer off. Is there any speculation that maybe he was traveling in some capacity? And like, do these murders pop up anywhere outside of this area from what you found? Ask me again, like 20 minutes. Okay. (laughs) This is going to be two parts. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's so good. And then on September 8th, 1963, we have Evelyn Corbin, who is murdered at 224 Lafayette Street in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, Jeffrey, I'm getting really weird feels in my chest right now because Lafayette, I'm looking at Lafayette Street right behind you, and it just feels really eerie to be talking about this story when the house is, like, literally right there. It's maybe a five-minute walk away. Oh, it's so weird. (sighs) So... I'm going to talk in specifics about her. She's going to be one of the only ones. Um, and there's a few others, but uh, it is a Salem murder. So, And the freaking place still stands. Yeah, yeah. So Inspector John Moran. Moran? Moran? John Moran? Anyway. Moran. Moran. Uh, he's a detective. He arrives at the apartments about 1.30 in the afternoon. And when they get in, they realize very quickly what they've 
encountered uh, because of the way the scene was set up. At this point, they already know his style. Yeah. Uh, he is actually on a statewide strangler. Like task force? Task force, yeah. So he's well aware. He knows. And he just gets called casually to the scene. And when they get in, they uh, they see what's going on. So she's 58, divorced. It seems though she'd had breakfast with uh, a neighbor of hers, went back, and uh, then when a neighbor didn't see her leave for mass, she thought that was suspicious, which I also find so weird that I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> what any of your neighbors do? <laughs> I mean, so there's a guy across the street who does like, junk removal or something mm -hmm. and i'll see him out like loading his truck sometimes you know i know he's got a daughter who's in college um and then my neighbors over here are weird they're like the kind of neighbors like sit on the porch but sometimes there's kids over there sometimes there's adults over there sometimes there's older people i don't know i don't keep track i don't even know who they are so what you're saying is if either of your neighbors got murdered you really wouldn't notice I, weeks <laughs> like like maybe yeah. months no i know what you're saying though but again different time right yeah yeah uh and then later that afternoon the neighbor picks up her sunday paper and learned that her neighbor hadn't picked up her sunday paper and got suspicious she also tells the police that someone had tried to open her door <gasps> that morning oh no oh i hate this Maybe it wasn't a good idea for us <laughs> to record so late. So they find her. Um, I guess this is a good a place as any to introduce this conversation. There are likely, I believe, after reading everything I read, I believe there are multiple killers. There is definitely a Boston Strangler. Like copycats. And then there's, I would say, one if not two copycats. Because I think, so I didn't retain much from the Morbid podcast, yeah. but I do remember them talking about, and you brought it up a little bit at the beginning, how the newspapers, because they're publishing so many details, mm -hmm. it makes it very obvious for anyone who's looking to go out and murder someone, oh, I'll just try to make it look like a strangler victim yep. and avoid any type of spotlight on me mm -hmm. as a suspect. Yes. I am I agree. I, I think that's very... Uh, a very reasonable thing, especially today, um, with an ounce, if not a you know degree in psychology and understanding, you're like, okay, some of these things don't add. Some of them add up. Some mm -hmm. of them add up. What do you think the Salem murder was? The strangler or a copycat? Copycat. Okay. Yeah. What? Because it's too far out outside. No, no, no. Um. So the detective uh, talks about a couple things. Um. Basically, he thinks it's a copycat. He seems he's a, a very well-respected, well-decorated Salem police officer. He's not just like some guy. He's, he was a full, did his years, did his time, retired, uh, decorated 50 times for a variety of things. Uh, also Marine, so simplify. Right. That's cool. So he'd questioned uh, some other people. And this is... This is sort of a strange thing that we got going on here. He questions a man from Lynn who had stayed at a nearby friend's apartment. Those gentlemen bought donuts the night before. The morning of the murder, or sorry, when they investigated the murder, they found a donut on the exterior fire escape outside the woman's window. Oh, shoot. So He's I, leaving breadcrumbs. So the detective, and I guess someone saw the guy who bought the donut, put them in his pocket. Sure. 60s. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the detective theorizes that for whatever reason, he sees this opportunity and decides to take it. And entering or exiting, he doesn't want to crush. He's like, oh, shoot, I got a donut in my pocket. Let me put it over here for safekeeping. And forgot about it. And forgot about it. Rookie mistake. Is is this detective's uh, sort of theory. Uh, and that's like all they have? Yep. And is that also one of the un unsolved ones? Yep. 
Ugh. So he worked. He tried to to get the guy from Lynn uh, with the murder, but he was never able to pin it on him. And he was also never able to question the gentleman who is presumed to be the strangler. So I guess now we can talk about him. The guy presumed to be the strangler? Yeah. Yes. Now is as good a time as any to talk about Albert DeSalvo. Now, I have heard that name on the streets of Salem before. Yeah. Uh, I think Mike talks about him. Uh, so he's a lot. Um, he is married. Uh, two kids. He is a handyman. Oh, uh-oh. Uh, lives in Quincy Malden area. Uh, so he does have free reign to drive around and do the handyman thing. So it fits pretty well. Yep. Uh, so he's born September 3rd, 1931. And uh, at this point, uh, he is a known rapist. Not, sorry, not at this point in the story, at this point in, in our history. Oh, like right now. Like right now. Like, like we know looking back. Yes. Okay. That he is a rapist and suspected serial killer who confessed to being the Boston Strangler. Okay. So that's complicated because we have a confession. Right. And um, I, I, I'm sure he's not the only one that confessed to it. Yeah. So they're, so when the police are doing all their investigating, uh, and it's a lot, like they've literally transferred all detectives from pretty much every other case onto this one. Actually. Well, it probably uh, frustrated the hell out of them because it just kept happening. Yeah. And this is actually pretty cool. This is one of the first times uh, that a computer was used uh, in police detective work to co- collate all the different documents and things and departments department and, and different located. This is Quincy and this is Malden. This is Boston. Yeah. And I guess they had like a task force dedicated to using the computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, and they hired women to, you know, and uh, to like to do the keyboarding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like the detects would come in and they'd like filter it all in and type it all in. And now you could have like different collated stuff and times. They wow. I saw somewhere that at some point they thought they had over 10,000 suspects because they were looking at uh, escaped murderers, escaped rapists, mentally ill. Um, it's the 60s. Um, maybe gay men because he was hurting women. Mm. Uh, people. That's fucked up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> abusive parents you know anyone who'd been arrested for a violent crime like the list was like they literally had nothing so in january 1965 the lead detective phil denatoli i believe uh, is contacted by the head of security at mass general an anonymous letter was given to him by a nurse or a nurse wrote an anonymous letter that he got about how Albert DeSalvo, who had assaulted and raped her. And that many of the other patterns and behaviors that he exhibited while he was attacking her fit the strangler profile. So detective investigates, investigates, investigates. Um, DeSalvo had recently been arrested. He was at the Massachusetts Correctional Institution in Bridgewater for the sexually dangerous and criminally insane Already. So he was already behind bars. By the time that they <clears throat> narrowed in on him. For none of that. What was he in for? A whole lot of other stuff. And when dis- when the detective goes to question DeSalvo, he already has a lawyer before the detective even gets there. His lawyer was his cellmate's lawyer. So he knows his cellmate and then he meets his lawyer his lawyer, and this is just like, don't get me wrong, DeSalvo's a piece of work, but this guy is also. Oh, boy. F. Lee Bailey. You've probably never heard that name. Honestly, it might because I, I've listened to a couple of things on the so Strangler. So he defends DeSalvo, is responsible for some of the things I'm going to come on and talk about. He is also part of the uh, defense team for O.J. Simpson. Whoa. Are we not that far away from... 60, 70, 80, 90, 30 years later? Wow. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's wild. So his cellmate is George Nasser. Okay. So the theory, perhaps, is that George Nasser 
is the strangler and tells DeSalvo, coaches DeSalvo, feeds DeSalvo, mm-hmm. and DeSalvo is already facing life at this point. Um, and DeSalvo's maybe thinking that if I take the rap for the strangler stuff, Maybe it's a little sensationalized as a big news. Maybe there might be a book deal in it. Maybe there might be, I mean, you know, maybe like a movie, right? And so I guess there are rights to certain things that he, some he got, some he didn't get, uh, some his lawyers kept from him. And that's a little too complicated. But at the end of the day, he's not entirely off. But that's sort of the, a little conspiracy theory on, well, if DeSalvo's not the strangler, then who is? Who is? And how would I'm assuming he had information about a lot of these crimes? He had a lot of inside information that was not available to the public. So if he's not the strangler, he definitely knew the strangler. Yeah, which would then be Nasser. Huh. Um and like what and do we know what happens to Nasser? I'm assuming he like ob- uh, obviously if he was the strangler, he would avoid the death penalty or so he was also in jail, he uh, so Nasser's in jail for homicide, killing uh, gas station attendant in Andover, I think. So he's in, and he's feeding to solve these things. There are some people who say that they heard Nasser telling to solve all these things. Uh, however, some of the police are like, "There's no way that he could have known some of these things," and it's it's messy. It's like he said, she said, um, especially since. The issue, as I said, I I think there's multiple, is that some of it fits a pattern really well and some of it doesn't at all. Um, Jumping back to the uh, individuals who were the the victims, the first, so we have age 55, 85, 68, 75, 67, 20, 23, 69, 23, 57, 23, and 19. Yes. Okay. So it's not, that's like, I was expecting like a wide range of them. And it's like, there are two ends of the spectrum there. Older and younger. Okay. So I would speculate that all of the older victims are probably the strangler and maybe one or two other uh, copycat victims, or in the case of, Evelyn Corbin in, in Salem, if it's just that neighbor and he's like, and he breaks in and he then just is like, you know what? Hey, what's going to help me get away with this mm-hmm. is if I just strangle her and leave her body. And then that murder that he commits because of, of what he did to the apartment, which is well known, what he does to the body, which is well known, he just leaves the, the crime scene like that. Or what if, because her neighbor was elderly, right? And she said that she felt or she heard the rattling of the door handle and then so he just what if he tried to get in after her first so and there is couldn't get in and it was like well i still have to like you know and he freaking went after the next option so at one point DeSalvo says that he would just ring a doorbell or two and like buzz oh my god that's so terrifying yeah to think about just randomly like, like oh. no rhyme or reason but then that also that fits profiles, but it's counter to other parts of the profile. In profiling, as much as it is a science, it's not, you know, because at some, like, there are some serial killers who are like, it is this and it is only this. And then sometimes there's a wider range of that's going to satisfy whatever needs to be satisfied. And so you can argue both sides. Um, and also, what sometimes uh, they were talking about is some of the sometimes the times of day or the locations he was in. Like this apartment might be close to the hospital, so more nurses might live here, which may tend to be more elderly. If I go at three in the afternoon, your chances of you finding someone who fits your demographic randomly is more likely mm-hmm. than in downtown Boston near a university at like ten o'clock at night. Right, exactly. It's uh, hunting, as they call it. Yeah. Ugh. So, anyway. Uh, so, DeSalvo lawyers up and gives a confession. So, he confesses to all the strangler cases. Uh, adding in a few more that the police hadn't tied into that. 
which then also adds into the question of was it, wasn't it? Had he just heard about these other strangle cases and mm-hmm. whatever else? So he's in jail for uh, what we sort of attribute to the green man. So there was uh, dozens of a sort of wider spread than just downtown Boston, sort of in the wider geographical area of people, women who had an encounter with a man, sometimes assault, sometimes just aggravated, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. Uh, so the accounts very some, it was full on assault, et cetera. Um, and a lot of it was like, he's a handyman and he wears green. I saw a man in a green handyman outfit walking around. And so we're fitting the handyman bio and the uniform that he did have was green. So he has been arrested for these green man cases. Um, he is facing life for that. And he does actually uh, get brought to trial in 1967. And he ha- he is found guilty of the green man crimes. And he is sentenced to life. However, the 1965 confession of the Boston Strangler is not admissible in court. Why? A deal with the lawyer. What? Yeah. And that's why they're unsolved? Because he was never actually tried for them? Never arrested. Wait a minute. And so I, I don't know how this ends. Like, so he, he gets life. Yep. He doesn't for- get the death penalty. I know, like, I know it's a super sensitive subject, and I am very much of the camp of, like, there are certain situations, but also death penalty overall is not a good thing because right, right. more there is a very good percentage of people that are on death row that are innocent. Like mm-hmm. that's been proven. So it's best to not like, let's not be Puritans here. Like <laughs> let's not risk the death of innocent people trying to get the bad ones. Yeah. Like that's not worth it. Yeah. Um, but this is also back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. So I assumed so electric chairs on the table for some crimes, all of the green man, the green man crimes are not their basic basics. Not, they're not they're not rape and murder. They're assault, battery, theft. Oh, they're, so they're not okay. Yeah. Um, some push the line a little bit, uh, but the ones that they get him on are none of those. Wow. So he gets, I think, con- several concurrent life sentences for the green man instances. So he's done. He's out, he's out of the game. And his lawyer Wait, done out like no, no, out, as, out as of jail? No, no, no. He's oh, he's oh. in jail. He's okay. he's not he's not ever getting free. Okay, good, good. But the police settle for the confession that's not admissible in court because they already got their guy. And so they just like say, okay, fine. Well, we got him. He's in jail. He's never getting out. We're good. Yeah. Okay. So never been arrested. Never been convicted. Never been tried. For the Boston Strangler cases. Do any murders take place after? No? Okay. So he um, he gets out of, he was in and out of jail like somewhat frequently. He had a large rap sheet. He's uh, convicted of assault and some other crimes. He's released from jail in April 1962. The first murder happens in June of 1962. And then he's behind bars in 65, and the last murder is January 4th, 64. So the entire time he's free between his two jail sentences is when all of the attributed murders to the Strangler take place. It fits. If, but, if the shoe fits. Yeah. <laughs> if the glove fits. Ah. Um, What's the saying? If it doesn't fit, you must acquit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So real quick. On DeSalvo. Um, his childhood is is terrible. His patterns of behavior as an adult. Textbook. Yeah. Uh, alcoholic, brutally abusive father. Uh, he used to beat the heck out of his wife, knocked all her teeth out. Albert DeSalvo or his father? Albert DeSalvo's father. Okay. Yeah. So, so his father would beat his mother, probably yes. in front of him. All the time, uh, knocked all her teeth out. Uh, literally, uh, would take her fingers and bend them back. 
sexually assaulted his mother in front of him. Oh my God. And multiple other women he would bring home on dozens of occasions. Uh, he would beat Albert and even strangled him. They passed out on at least a few occasions. Oh my God. Uh, the first time that Albert gets in trouble with the police, I think is at age seven. Um, he sent to reform school at age 12. Those records were sealed for decades. There was a study on these things. He was in and out of all sorts of institutions and homes and arrests and all sorts. Wow. So, I mean. I don't want to say it's like expected, but it explains some of it. And it's, it's really a... It brings up like that whole nature versus nurture debate. And I, I actually, this was a great case for you to do because your background is in psychology. And this has a lot of like the profiling aspect. And obviously here with the trauma Mm -hmm. of his childhood, um, it definitely, obviously it did carry over into his adult years. So it's weird. That conversation is, it is neither one or the other. And it is both at the same time. Um, nature yep. and nurture. Yep. It's pretty much sort of the, the settled argument. I mean, it's not settled, but the settled argument. Uh, because he also has a brother, and his brother doesn't behave like that, and witnessed much of the similar things he did. But sometimes, as we all know, we are all wired differently. Yep. And sometimes some of us just happen to be more prone to those things. And then when those issues hit us, we collapse more because of it some people are more resilient some people are less and some people can go through all of those things and be fine some people can go through a tenth of those things and not be fine and that's uh the more you learn about both our us and and ourselves so he's uh confessed he's in jail he's he's going for life and uh that's in 1967 <laughs> and he escapes a month later. What? What? Yeah. Wait, oh, also, I have a question. Yeah. Was he ever held at the Salem jail? I didn't see that. Because that's something that, I'll be honest, I've said on tour. I have also said on tour. And, like, I hear a lot of people say on tour. So, and now I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, well, if he's not directly connected to the Salem murder then he would never be in the Salem jail, which means I have to edit my tour. Are you staying on tour now? Yeah. Oh. I literally, it's one line. It's one line. Mm -hmm. And now I feel ashamed. (laughs) I feel so ashamed. (laughs) I'm so sorry, guys. I I used to say it. I think think it's a common misconception. I think it's a fun story. I think it works, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, maybe he was and maybe he wasn't. And, you know, but even still... The, the suspected strangler was still held in the Salem jail. Yeah. Like, oh, great. Shoot. Man, I literally, <coughs> I literally said that today. Yeah, I looked. <laughs> may, may, maybe I'm wrong, you know? No, uh, no, no. I think, I think you might be right, though, because yeah. if, if Albert was not tied to the Salem murder, like I said, it, it makes sense. Why would he be up here? Maybe he was held in Bridgewater. Uh, the And that's like south of Boston. Yeah, yeah. Well, shoot. Well, look at us putting more misconceptions to bed. So anyway, he uh, he escapes a month later. There's a massive manhunt, and two days later, he turned himself in. Um, hmm. I don't know. It seems like some people like maybe he was trying to drum up press. Some people think he was like he was. It was I think it was three people who escaped, and maybe they were like, "Oh, come on, man!" He was like, "Okay," and then he's like, "Shit." <laughs> um, he's like, "If they find me now, maybe they can arrest me for the strangler thing." We don't know. But uh, he gets sent to MCI Walpole. And uh, he was involved in the drug trafficking there. Interesting. So he was working in the doctor's office effectively and like stealing pills and then like some of the inmates and stuff like that. Shortly before uh, November, mid-November 1973, uh, I couldn't find an exact date. Uh, He recants his confession. Wait, say that date again, just the year. 1973. 73. So that's how many? A decade. 
No, after his him being found guilty of the Green Man crimes oh, and being put in jail. 67. 67. Okay. Six years. So what's gone on between then is there's been some book releases. There's been some movies. There's been some press. And he's not getting really any of the money for it. Uh, and a lot of his family has stopped talking to him. His friends have stopped talking to him. And he... So conspiracy theory, he realizes confessing to the Strangler murders was a bad play. Uh, and maybe he should just write out the Green Man murders. So he's like, yep, actually, it wasn't me. I lied. More conspiracy theory. He's just trying to now drum up more press. And and, and throw them another curveball and be like, huh, you made all these books and movies and whatever. And it's, and not, it's not even me. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it's interesting because I, I wonder oftentimes these like serial killers are. What's that? What's that movie with Christian Bale? American Psycho. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. Is that American Psycho? Yeah. Yeah. So like, so good. Oftentimes, serial killers are these sociopathic, narcissistic, attention-seeking individuals. So it's interesting. Like, it makes sense for someone who obviously he's caught. Why not confess to all these sensational Mm -hmm. killings and a And like you said, drum up the press for it. But then to go back on it years later. It wasn't working in his favor. It's interesting. And then, of course, there's a, or maybe it wasn't him the whole time. Right. Yeah. What do you think, personally? (sighs) Do you think he was the strangler? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. But some of it just doesn't fit. So he knew some of the, so they they questioned him, right, Uh, extensively. And... Uh, some things he knew, some things he didn't know. And some of the police, like, well, he didn't know the positioning of the furniture. So you try to be like, well, when you went into the apartment, what did you see? And if he misses that, then they're like, well, maybe it's not him. But I'm also sitting here being like, well, the guy's got dozens of assaults under his belt. Uh, and, you know, only half a dozen of them went too far. <sighs> I don't, I don't remember... I was going to say, like, I wouldn't, I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. For them to expect him to remember everything is kind of. Yeah. 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 But he got some things wrong as well. Which all false memories in general. Yeah. Like, You're not wrong. And, but so, so the argument, and, and that's one of the reasons that, that this is so like, <laughs> is because sure. Yes. You can get some things wrong. Oftentimes they don't, but you do have false memories and maybe you did forget and maybe he was drinking. Maybe, you know what? If there's any number of reasons that you might not remember the color of the bed sheets, right? Yeah. But then again, a lot of serial killers, that's like. They're like. They know like everything. So yeah, it's back and forth. I think, I think he's likely the strangler. Um, but the Nasser thing also just kind of is a little too close to be like a hundred percent. So like, I don't know. Like it's the possibility is there. Is is very real. It's not like, oh my God, come on, don't be ridiculous. You're like, oh my gosh. And like a lot of his friends and family were like, God, it's just not him. Like, yeah, we know that he's got issues. Um, Like just sort of imagine if you know someone who maybe does, is abusive, is an alcoholic, you know, does have some anger issues. And then all of a sudden you find out that they've killed 13 people. You're like, no, which of course is obviously the reaction. Mm -hmm. But then there's sometimes some people you find out like, oh yeah, they killed 13 people. And you're like, oh, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So people are like, yeah, no, no, we know he's problematic, but that's a bit much, a lot much. Yeah. But also there's those people like sometimes, like you said, sometimes when people are, when they come out and you do find that this person is responsible for these brutal murders, it's like they, they've been living a double life. This is something that they are able to keep hidden Mm -hmm. so well from their friends and family that people just don't know. But he wasn't keeping it well hidden because he was in, in and out of jail all the time. That's true with the green, the green man. killings. Yeah. 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 That's so weird. That's yeah. so frustrating that it's not solved and we don't actually have a concrete answer. Yeah. So I think one of the things after those first five, we get that uh, break until December. And that girl is 20. And uh, she seems to be a student. 
worked in the medical field. Um, she's found by her roommates. Now, this gets a little complicated because uh, she was black and she was strangled with nylon stockings that were not hers. As in she wouldn't, they were a lighter color stockings than anything she would have worn. Mm-hmm. I think that is a, like a good indicator of like, that's an outlier. Like the guy was, whoever did it probably was carrying around a thing of stockings to use as a calling card. To, yeah. Okay. Yep. I could see that. But they also report that there's a suspicious man in the building wearing green work pants. Oh, but that's not that's not. But it could uncommon. be just that could also be just a random person with green work pants, right? Like, oh, he's wearing blue jeans, and you're like, oh. <laughs> so I think I think she's probably the first non strangler victim. If I had to, I was if I was a betting man, I would say that, and I, I think I think her age, uh, her race, and and uh, her profession. Uh, is like such an outlier that you're like, there's no way that you go from assaulting 70-year-old women to 20-year-old women. Mm-hmm. And in the 60s, elderly white women to a young black woman. I'm like, that's... Especially in a Boston area. Yeah. like that. Boston that's... was very, <laughs> is still very... Um, yeah. Our, yeah. So I, I think she's the first. I think her, her case really sticks out as like, that's not... This, that doesn't fit the pattern. And a lot of these do have a pattern and occasionally, but that is like a, that's an outlier. That's not a mistake. That's not a, you went into the wrong apartment. That's like a, that's like a whole lot of different. And I think w- at reading about that when I was like, Mm-mm, there's more than just one. So in my opinion, that cements a multiple killer understanding. So. Oh man. So, uh, Let's uh, wrap this up. November 25th, 1973. He's killed in jail. What? Boom. Who saw that coming? Oh, my God. Multiple times. Wow. Wait, say the year again. November 25th, 1973. He didn't even last that long. Damn. Well. So uh, the, the sort of running theory is that whatever or whoever he was doing the pill drug deal with, Something went wrong, and they snuck into his cell at night and stabbed the shit out of him. Wow, what a story! <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not quite done. We're not even done. We're not quite done. I've got a little bit more. So one of the uh, things that makes this frustrating is there is no, almost no. We're gonna go with no. There is no forensic evidence tying DeSalvo to the murders. There's no fingerprints, there's no hair, there's no boot prints, there's but no... But they, they wouldn't have collected that. Well, I mean, they would have collected boot prints, but do we kn- were they doing fingerprinting yeah, at that point? Yeah. yeah. But obviously DNA. Right, so no DNA. But in 2013, uh, two families, one a relative of DeSalvo and one a relative of Sullivan, when the victims come together and give permission to exhume the bodies of both of the individuals for DNA testing as there was DNA evidence left at Sullivan's crime scene. Wow. And the police are able to make a match What? to DeSalvo. Okay. And Sullivan is one of the older victims, a known like strangler victim. Yes, 67 years old, uh, August 21st, 1962. So there we go. Confirmed. Rape. Not murder. She wasn't murdered. She was. She was. So you can you can presume murder. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. But you know. That that's what he did. Yes. Wow. Rape was confirmed. Murder is presumed. Because. Obviously. Could he have done that and then left in someone? Yes. That's not how that works, Jeffrey. I am well aware, (laughs) but within the legal scope of what's going on. Technically, they don't have. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But that's, that's very, that's good. That's some good closure right there. But that's it. So there's one that we know he raped and none that we know he murdered. But that makes me feel better 
tying him to that batch of yes. the strangler victims because yeah. if you can confirm that one, you can presume yeah. that he probably did So it is, is a others. reasonable assumption. Uh, she is one of the more elderly individuals, and uh, she was presented uh, in that fashion. And then you can extrapolate from there that it is likely that if he did that to her and the other ones line up, then that is also likely. And um, two things. He is buried in Peabody. We know where he's buried? Yeah. Does he have a grave? Yeah. I I kept meaning to try and uh, get over there. You can, vi- I'm just, I'm kind of surprised. I was just curious. You know, I'm, like, I'm, no, I'm very surprised that like, you know, usually they don't want them to have any type of memorial. Well, when he died in 1973, he was only, it was all the assault and, and burglary and whatnot charges. And he was never technically gotten on any of the strangler victims. Not even arrested. Hmm. So, oh, that's so, that's eerie. You can go visit his grave. And Evelyn Corbin, the victim from Lafayette Street, is buried in St. Mary's. Oh, I thought you were going to say like right down the row no, no, from no. him. No. St. Mary's like the one that we've gone to. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, there you go. Ooh, man. I think I think I covered it all. Well done, Jeffrey. Thank that you. was so good. <sighs> I learned so much. We dispelled some misconceptions. I think you're you make a mighty fine investigator. <laughs> that that's that was intense. What a scary time to live in. And the only thing I did not get to do, uh, they came out with a movie like last year. We should we should watch on it on Hulu. I just didn't have the the Hulu, and I didn't have the tie. I just kept meaning I'll watch it when I get home, and then then I didn't. But note to self. Well, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> We're we're heading into part two now. I think so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to cap this right now, and um, we're going to just start back up, and I'm going to tell you my story. When? I was going to do it right now. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I don't know yet. I haven't decided how I want to release them. Okay. I It might come, because we have a special episode coming out the 24th. Yep which happens to be my birthday, and I kind of want oh that, my that special episode to come out on my birthday. We can skip a week. Not skip a week. I mean, we can do True Crime Part 1, special episode. Special episode, and then True, true Crime Cr- Part 2 on I, Halloween. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like it's not Halloween enough. We'll see. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. Okay. We still got to take the mini mic to the streets. We still want to do like an, a brief overview of the history of Halloween. So... I, and I know we have very limited time and very limited energy, but uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I might have enough energy to do like a double drop and get, Whoa. yeah, that's what I was thinking more along the lines of that. Like a Tuesday, Thursday kind of deal? Yeah. Okay. But we'll okay. see. Don't okay. quote me on this, guys. Okay. You'll get it when you get it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for now, thanks for listening. See you later. <laughs>